You are listening to the Purpose Church High School Ministry Podcast. Whether this is your first episode or you've heard them all, God has something to say to you. Our vision is to see every student everywhere following Jesus, and we hope this message helps you take your next step in your faith. To learn more about our high school ministry, visit our website, purposechurch.com HSM, and check us out on Instagram at purposehsm. We hope you enjoy today's episode. All right, so today we're going to be closing out our series about the stories that shaped Jesus. We're going to be looking at the stories that Jesus referred back to in the Old Testament. And we're closing it out today, and I have the honor to do so. And I can't explain the joy that I have to be here before you guys today. But for our sermon title for today is this. It's about David. So David, serving God will cost you something. Serving God will cost you something. I think this is a question, not a, this, is not a, this is probably a concept a lot of you guys probably have not actually thought about. What does it cost to serve God? And so we're going to be diving into that today. But if you guys have your Bibles, if you can turn with me to Matthew chapter 12, we're going to start in verses 1 to 5. Matthew chapter 12, verses 1 to 5 is the first book in the New Testament. I have to do that with all the 10-year-olds because they don't know where Matthew is. So Matthew 12, verse 1 to 5, it'll be up on the screen. It reads this. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry and began to pick some heads of grain and eat them. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. He answered, Haven't you read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God, and he and his companions ate the consecrated bread, which was not lawful for them to do, but only for the priest. Or haven't you read in the law that the priests on Sabbath duty in the temple desecrate the Sabbath and yet are innocent? There's a lot going on here. But I want to break it down with you guys piece by piece. First, we see these biblical characters, right? The Pharisees. If you guys don't know who the Pharisees are, the Pharisees were Jewish leaders at the time who held this law to the most standard that they could do. But not only that, they tend to make up their own law as well. So one of the most famous things was they would add laws on top of the Sabbath. They did these often to benefit themselves. They did this so they can often look good or maybe even more religious in front of other people. See, I, I think about, does anyone here like Monopoly? Really quickly, show of hands, Monopoly. Oh my gosh, yeah, because Monopoly either is, like, builds friendships or ruins friendships. Uh, but when I was younger, uh, I, I'm going to be honest, I was a big cheater when it came to games. And Monopoly was probably the game that I'm going to confess to that I cheated the most in. So I always tend to make up rules as we went along. Does anyone know someone like that, right, in board games? So if I wanted boardwalk, but I didn't have enough money, I would make up a rule that if I landed on go, I'd make $500, right? And then if someone lands on it, I'd be like, nah, that's, that's, not, that's not the rule anymore. So I, I was often house rules, right? I'd make things up, and then I would do it, right? And so I did things that would often benefit myself. See, the Pharisees were like mini Jasons in a way. They, they tended to create their own laws and rules. And they tended to do these things to benefit themselves rather than to benefit and bring others closer to God. See, this whole, the whole reason the Pharisees did this was so they can stump Jesus. Jesus was claiming to be God himself. And the Pharisees didn't like this, so they oftentimes try to make up laws and things to try to make it look like Jesus was breaking the law. But yet Jesus was perfect and never broke the law. And so what were they doing? They were making up the laws and trying to get boardwalk. Jesus knew the ignorance of the Pharisees. And so what he did was he brought up two very biblical characters, David and the priest. Two very biblical characters that Jewish people would often hold up to and look up to deeply. 
David and priests, because he knew that if he brought these names up, they would notice what is happening. But not only that, he was bringing it up to show if you're judging me by the standards and if you were to judge them in the same standards, you'd be condemning them as well. And this was the point that Jesus was trying to get uh, across here. And then if we continue to read Matthew chapter 12, verse 6 to 8, it says this. I tell you that something greater than the temple is here. If you have known what these words mean, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. You would not have condemned the innocent, for the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus is pulling words straight from Hosea chapter 6, verse 6. The Pharisees knew this piece of scripture, but yet they did not abide by it. And so Jesus referred back to it to show them that I desire mercy, not sacrifice. So your first little fill in the blank for you guys is this. Human traditions never exceed God's mercy. Human traditions never exceed God's mercy. There's often times we create these own traditions or these own laws in our own life that we often uh, fail to extend mercy to others. Because we tend to get so caught up in the traditions that we have created, maybe not even God that has created, that we fail to love others the way that they were supposed to be loved. And this is the point that Jesus was getting across here. So now what we're going to do is we're going to look at the story itself. We're going to dive back into 1 Samuel, and we're going to look at the story of David. But before we do that, I want to ask you guys two very important questions. And if you're not listening, I want you guys to hear these questions. I want you, to know, I want you guys to think about this. Do you know the cost of following God? If you know the cost, are you willing to pay it? These are questions that we often might not think about. But as we see in 1 Samuel, these are questions that we really need to think about as believers. So turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 21, verse 1 to 7. We're going to read it through, and then we're going to break it down together. It reads this. David went to Nob, to Ahimelech the priest. Ahimelech trembled when he met him and asked, Why are you alone? Why is no one with you? David answered Ahimelech the priest, The king sent me on a mission and said to me, No one is to know anything about the mission I am sending you on. As far as for my men, I have told them to meet me at a certain place. Now then, what do you have on hand? Give me five loaves of bread or whatever you can find. But the priest answered David, I don't have any ordinary bread on hand. However, there is some consecrated bread here, provided the men have kept themselves from women. David replied, Indeed, women have been kept from us as usual whenever I set out. The men's bodies are holy even on missions that are not holy. How much more so today? So the priest gave him the consecrated bread, since there was no bread there except the bread of the presence that had been removed from from before the Lord and replaced by hot bread on the day it was taken away. Now one of Saul's servants was there that day, detained before the Lord. He was Doeg, the Edomite, Saul's chief shepherd. I know that was a lot, but I want us to focus on three people in this story. I want us to focus on David. I want us to focus on Doeg. I also want us to focus on Ahimelech, the priest. So as we read this, I want us to dissect this, all right? I want us to look at what is happening in the story. So your first point is this. Your second point. The cost of serving God requires mercy and denial of self. The cost of serving God requires mercy and denial of self. So just a little context here. So if you guys don't know, Saul was the king at this time. And David was this young leader rising up, gaining a lot of respect by everyone. 
And Saul's tendency, he grew jealous, and he wanted to kill David. And so we get to this part of the story where David is fleeing from Saul. And if you notice in the first Samuel part, right, David lies about why he's coming to the temple. David comes to the priest and says, the, says that the king sent him on an important mission and not to tell anyone. But in reality, he was actually running from the king himself. And notice the very first thing that he did in time of need. Where did he run? He ran to the temple of God. He ran to the place that he knew he could find comfort. He ran to the place that has provided for him time and time again. And he knew that when he came to the temple of God, that God can provide for him, except he received the provision in a deceitful way. So now I want us to think about this. How many of us woke up this morning, coming to this Wednesday, or go to a Sunday expecting something from God? How many of us wake up expecting something from God for our good attendance for coming to church? Maybe you haven't missed a Wednesday or a Sunday in the past year and you expect some special thing for that. Or imagine how many of you come to church maybe this, this afternoon and this Sunday and you're deciding that you're going to come and some unanswered prayer that you've been praying for years and years and years is somehow going to be answered because you showed up to church. But what if that wasn't in God's will? What if God's will was not the same thing that you wanted? And so the question I want us to think about is why do you come to church? See, some people come to church because they want to worship God, because they want to be in his presence, because they want nothing but Jesus, right? Love that song, by the way. Awesome. But they come to church because they want nothing but Jesus. They want to be in his presence. They want to worship him. They know he's the comforter, and they want to be comforted by the comforter. And they know this, and this is the very reason they come, regardless of difficulties in their life, regardless of all these things, they come for God. But the sad, harsh reality is that most of us don't come for that. The sad, harsh morality, harsh reality is that we come for everything else. How many Christians come to church in hard times seeking help, but only coming for themselves? How many Christians come to church in the midst of a hard time, and they're coming to God for a good reason, seeking his help, but they receive it in a deceitful way? You lie to your community. You lie to your life group leaders. You even lie to God about the difficulties you're going through because you're trying to cover pride, because you're trying to cover humility, because you're trying to cover the things that you're going through because you don't want to be completely honest with God. How many Christians come to church and do this? How many Christians come, not for God, but simply for themselves? And this is, the, this is the big question that I want us to think about this entire time. It's a hard question, but it's a question that we all need to think about. That in the midst of hard times, sometimes we even forget God as a whole. Instead of following his laws, instead of trusting in his wisdom, we decide to do what we want to do. And things spiral out of control, and we wonder why that happens. I want us to turn to Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. I'm going to turn there, but it'll be up on the screen. Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. It reads this. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. I don't know if you guys know about the word disciple, but a disciple means a follower. 
And if all of us claim to follow Jesus, that means we are a disciple of Christ. So this word wasn't just meant for the 12 disciples at this time. This word was meant for all Christians. That if you want to be a follower of Christ, if you want to be his disciple, you must deny yourself and follow him. Pick up your cross daily. Following God is not easy. If anyone has told you that, it's a flat-out lie. Following God will be one of the hardest things you ever do, but also one of the most rewarding things you'll ever do. The cost is high. You are to deny yourself daily, to extend mercy when you don't want to, to run to God when you want to focus on yourself. Instead of running to God, even running to other people, community is amazing, don't get me wrong, and, and this is good stuff, but when we come just for our community and our friends and all these things, we're missing the point of what church is about. It's about God, the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, the great I am. This is why we come to church, to worship the God who can. I want us now to look at 1 Samuel chapter 22, verse 20. Chapter 22, verse 22 to 23, says this. Then David said to Abithar, that day when Doeg the Edomite was there, I knew he would be sure to tell Saul. I am responsible for the death of your whole family. Stay with me. Don't be afraid. The man who wants to kill you is trying to kill me too. You will be safe with me. David told this lie at first to receive the bread from the priest, Right? And later in the scriptures, if you continue to read, he even acts, pretends to be crazy. And the result was 85 priests were killed. And David at this time sees what happened. And he confesses of his sin. And he takes responsibility and decides truth. And, and, and he decides mercy instead of sacrifice of what Jesus taught. This is the importance of what David did here. Although he, although he didn't start off very hot, he turned to God at the end. And David was a man after God's own heart at the end of the day. So if you're in the boat of what I just explained to you guys, coming to church not for the right reasons, there's still hope for you too. The next point for you guys is this. Knowing the cost isn't enough. You must be willing to pay it. Knowing the cost isn't enough. You must be willing to pay it. So we looked at David. Now we're going to look at Doeg. Doeg was the guy who was there just by coincidence, but he was a servant of Saul. He was probably there worshiping as well, probably out of obligation because he was under Saul, and probably to keep an appearance. And so Doeg was here, but when he saw everything going on, he noticed that the priest helped David. And so later down the line, when you continue to read, we see when Saul comes, Doeg confesses right away and says, that priest helped David. David's lie allowed Doeg to lie. Or not to lie, to tell, what, tell Saul what happened. And then Saul was so angry that he wanted 85 priests to be killed. None of his men wanted to do it. But guess who jumped to the occasion? Doeg. He killed all 85 priests by his own hands. He was so focused on being accepted, so focused on climbing the ladder in Saul's uh, reign. He was so focused on everything else. Even though he was in the temple of God, he wasn't really there for God. He was there for his own acceptance and his own appearance. Now, I know I'm getting really in-depth about this. I'm getting really in your guys' life, as you said. How many of us come to church for the games? How many of us come to church for our friends, for our community? How many of us come to, 
church just for these things. These things are not bad. These are beautiful things that God has given us as a gift. But if this is the only reason that you are sitting in this chair today, I'd be afraid. Because we should be here for God. We can be here and receive community, the blessings that God gives us. But first and foremost, we need to be here for God. And we see the deceitfulness in Doeg came to the temple. Just because he was in the temple doesn't mean he was there for God. He was there for himself and his own acceptance. How many of us are so caught up in the world? How many of us come here and act like this is our holy day, but every other, the day, every other day we're out in the world doing whatever we want? Instead of being the light in the world, we're being part of the darkness. We've lost our saltness. How many of us come to church expecting something from God, but how many of us come to church not even coming for God? Not even wanting to be here for him, but we come for everything else. These things are amazing, don't get me wrong. The games, musical chairs, I had an absolute blast. But I can't tell you, I almost started crying at the last song. Because I felt the presence of God in this place. That's why you come here. That's why you go to church. Friends, amazing. Community, amazing. Blessings upon blessings. But they can't save you. Only God can. And this is the truth we need to look at. I'm going to read for you guys James chapter 4, verse 4. It says this. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. This is, do you sound like the world? Do you look like the world? Are you doing things outside of church? Maybe you're getting drunk. Maybe you're going to parties. Maybe you're doing things you should not be doing. Do you do these things and you fit in with the world? Instead of being that light, you're a part of the darkness. Are you using Jesus as a stepping stone rather than trusting him as a cornerstone? These are the things we need to think about in our life. Obviously, we're not perfect. There's going to be sin. There's going to be times we messed up. But do you run to God when you do? Do you run to him when you sin? Do you run to him in times of hopelessness? And the question, not only do you just run to him, but why do you run to him is the question. If you look like the world and you sound like the world, and the only day that you act like a Christian is on a Wednesday, I'd be greatly, greatly afraid. And the reason why I am so passionate about this is because I was once that Christian. About your guys' age, I started coming back to HSM I struggled with depression. I tried to take my own life. I did all these things, and there was no hope in the world. I started coming back to HSM, and Nick in the very back was the first person who gave me love that I felt in a long, long time. But the thing, I love you, Nick, for doing that, but the thing is I started to come only for that. And I look back, and the things I did, you would never believe a pastor did those things. That is my past life. God has forgiven me of those sins. But I look back and I say, that person did not know God. That person did not surrender to Christ. That person surrendered to my own will. That person surrendered to what I wanted to do. And I came for everything else except for the living God. And if you're in this boat as well, again, just like there was hope for me, there's hope for you too. My third point for you guys, or this fourth point technically, Following Christ will cost you everything, but in return, you gain everything. I'll say that again. Following Christ will cost you everything, but in return, you gain everything. So Ahimelech, 
we're looking at the last person, Ahimelech, right? The priest. We look at this man, right? And to quite understand what was being happened here, to add significance to what he did. So the bread that we're talking about here, this was part of, uh, this was part of Israel's way of showing communion with God. It represented the tw- 12 tribes. Each piece of bread represented the 12 tribes, and this showed their communion with God. Every week, they would exchange the bread that was on there and change it for warm bread. Every week, because this was a constant thing to show that, God, we are with you. God, you are with us, and we are with you. But not only that, but when that bread was taken out, that bread was given to the priests to eat. This was their food. And also to their families. So he wasn't just giving bread just because he had an abundance of it. He was giving bread that was supposed to go to him. He decided mercy over sacrifice over what Jesus taught, right? Jesus taught that, and Hosea chapter 6, verse 6 says this as well. He desired mercy over sacrifice. He gave this bread to David. He didn't know he was being lied to. He didn't care. He gave the bread. And what happened? He ended up losing his life and 84 other priests alongside of him. It's a gruesome story, but there's a beautiful part that is in this. When Jesus says, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, Ahimelech followed suit. A true believer understands that their life is no longer their own. They understand that their life is now in the hands of God. They understand that he is the author and the perfecter of their faith. They understand that the bread, the earthly bread that we eat, will only sustain us for a couple hours. He he understood, Christians believe and should understand that Jesus is the everlasting king. That he is the bread of life, the one that brings us everlasting life. Bread can sustain you for so long. Friends can sustain you for so long. Music, games, whatever it is can sustain you for so long. But the only one that can give you true hope and the only one that can give you and move you on to give you everlasting life is God and Christ Almighty. This is the truth. That we come to church for so many different things. And I know I was once that person. We come to church for so many different things and we wonder why God's not showing up because we're not willing to dwell with him and to actually rely on him. We're so caught up in what we want rather than what God has planned for our lives. We miss the things he is showing us. We, We push blessings aside. Instead of waking up extra early to read your Bible and be in the presence of God, you you decide to just wake up and open up TikTok and slide through a bunch of things that are going to feed the world into your mind. I know people, pastors tend to love to talk about read your Bible, pray. There's a big reason why we do this. Because we know it's great for you. It is good for your mind. That when you open up the living word of God, that there's something that transforms there. His word is written. He spoke it. And we get to open it and hear it. But not only that, he convicts us through it, but also comforts us through it. This is the beauty of God. This is the beauty of his word. This is the beauty of prayer. And we have the opportunity to sit with him. See, we are all, well, let me read for us this. Matthew 16, verse 25. Matthew 16, verse 25 says this. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life will find it. I want to say that again. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. 
This isn't just talking about earthly life. This is talking about heaven and hell. That are you willing to hold on to your own life and be the governor of it? Or are you willing to let go of it and give it to God and allow him to allow you to find life through him? This is the question we all are faced with. But first, do you know the cost? Do you know the cost of following God? To be a servant first, to extend mercy, but not only just to extend mercy, but also to deny yourself daily. And are you willing to pay that cost? Well, I want to tell you about something. If you guys didn't know this, that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. That without God, we are left with death. But with him, we are given eternal life. And if you think you're perfect and you stand here today and you think you're, you've never sinned in your life, let me tell you something. The Bible says otherwise. That anyone who thinks that they are without sin does not know the truth. This is the word of God. The beauty of it, because our God is a just God, he's also a loving, a grace, he's full of grace and extends mercy upon mercy. That he loved us so much that he sent his one and only begotten son to come onto the earth to walk a life that we could not walk. To live a perfect life, to uphold the law, so that he was not just a lamb that was a normal lamb, he was the perfect lamb. The sacrifice that would never end, the high priest whose priesthood would never end, this was Jesus Christ. That he walked up to Calvary Hill carrying his own cross, hanging on there and took on the wrath of God. This is what Jesus did for you. This is why we look at the cost of serving God and are willing to pay it. Because Jesus paid the ultimate cost. The wrath that was supposed to pour upon us has been poured upon him. That he became a curse for you. That whoever shall believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. This is the beauty of the gospel. That no matter what the cost to follow him, a believer sees that and says, Jesus, if you are able to die on the cross for my sins and to take on the wrath of God, I'm willing to put my own self aside, to put my popularity aside, to even put my own life aside. The reason we are willing to pay the cost is because of Jesus himself, because he first paid it. Being a Christian is not easy. But because of our older brother, because Jesus Christ came down died on the cross, rose three days later, and ascended to the right hand of God, we're able to stand here today to say that we are now in relationship with him. Nothing else. No friends, no games, no community. Those are blessings. But God is salvation. And that's the truth that we have to face. Are you willing to pay the cost to serve God? Or do you want to live your own life? And I pray pray today that God spoke to you in some way. That he opened up your deaf ears, that he opened up your blind eyes and gave you a mind to hear and listen. I pray today that there's at least one person who I will see in heaven because of this. In all transparency, this has been one of the hardest months of my life. I'm getting married, right? Amazing. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. I've been stressed beyond belief about what it means to be a a husband, a father. 
how I'm supposed to die to myself, to my wife one day. I know I'm swinging my arm around, but I recently tore my rotator cuff. And my bone keeps popping out and in, and it's in excruciating pain. <laughs> my uncle got cancer. Almost all my siblings said they're not coming to my wedding. Just things upon things upon things upon things. I moved. I wasn't even able to move because I was, had a messed up arm. <laughs> As soon as I step into the house of God and open my word in prayer, I know that I am comforted by him. No matter what trial, no matter what amount of pain, no matter what the cost, no matter the persecution, no matter the exclusion from my friends, I can go on my knees and I can look up and say, God, help me. And go to him and knowing that he's there for me. And he can be there for you too. But are you willing to pay the cost? Are you willing to trust in him and give your life up to him? To allow him to govern you? This is the question we all beg. And this is the question I want you to ponder. My big idea for today is this. That God's wisdoms, wisdom and commands are meant to help us love him and love others in a purposeful way. That through his great love, that we are able to look to his great wisdom and say, Father, yes. Through his great mercy and his great grace, we are able to look at his commands and say, Father, yes. Forgive me for I have sinned against you. Now help me love others the way that you want them to be loved. What we're going to do during this time is there, we're going to play one more song. But we're going to take communion. And if you guys don't know what communion is, communion is meant for those who have surrendered their life to Christ. For those who are believers. And if you haven't surrendered your life to Christ, I pray that you guys just sit still and think about the words you heard today. That's it. I don't need you to raise your hand. I just need you to sit still just between you and God. That's all I want. But if you have already done that, what we're going to do is we're going to take communion and we're going to join the Lord's Supper today. For those of you who don't know what the Lord's Supper is, the blood represents the blood that was shed on the cross. That because Jesus died for our sins, we are able to be free because the blood of Jesus Christ has atoned for us. We have been forgiven because he has lived that perfect life. He is that perfect sacrifice. And then the bread. The bread represents the new covenant that has been placed between us and God bread of everlasting life. This reminds us that we are now able to see eternity because of what Jesus done for us. His blood was shed, forgi blood was shed forgiven of our sins, and his body reminds us of everlasting life because he is the great high priest. He is the Lord of lords, the king of kings, the great I am, and the greatest of all names. Hallowed be your name. Bow your heads with me as we go into prayer. Father, I thank you for today. God, I thank you for each student that is here today. God, I know that you have worked miracles in the past. I know you are working them in the present, and you will in the future. But God, I pray that your message is the ultimate miracle that we need to look to. The message of Jesus Christ, the gospel. 
And as we take communion today, may we remind ourselves, Father, of what you did for us, sending your son to die on the cross for a wretched sinner as me. And now I'm able to walk in joy and in faith because of your great mercy. So God, I pray over each student, each leader, that God, you just open up their eyes, open up their ears, and open up their minds.